0: Welcome to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp. I'm Brendan Draper. I'm Ryan John. And today we're back. We're talking about choirs. Or maybe we should throw like five more things into this episode because it'll go real quick. Just talking about (laughs) choirs. (laughs)
1: yeah is is are are you making fun of my idea that we could somehow do <laughs> horns, choirs, and strings in one episode? <laughs> I just yeah, remember recording
0: enough. that and just laughing like in my head. I was trying not to like just crack up in the middle of the episode, like we're well, never somehow that episode
1: that episode was what like fifty something minutes I know
0: I know yeah, well, maybe um, with just two of us we'll only have two opinions this time, so maybe it'll be a third as short.
1: That that is true. So yeah, unfortunately, Joe is not with us and we don't have an extra guest. So it's just Brendan and I, Um, but it's because we happen to be on the same time zone for the first time in, Mm. I'm not actually sure how long, three months. Probably a while. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you? Yeah. Where have you been? Uh, I'm I'm in Los Angeles now. Uh Um, I was just in Poland. I was in London. I was in Mm. Italy. I was in a bunch of places in Europe Uh, and I was somewhat living there, mostly living there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, now I'm back here and um, nice. I will go back there at some point too. But yeah, for now we're on the same time zone and we're going to get this done while we happen to be available to do this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess just thanks to everyone out there listening. It's kind of cool to see. Yeah. We're at a hundred thousand listens of this Woo! podcast. And when I got the email that says you've reached a hundred thousand, I kind of laughed out loud because I just didn't understand that there was any point in time where a hundred thousand listens of anything that we've said would be taken seriously. (laughs) You know what I mean? I feel like I just absolutely fucked the wording on that. But the idea is that, you know, yeah, we happen to know some things but usually, I'm just kind of talking out my ass, like not not like what we're saying is inaccurate, right? But we're just messing around and having fun and having a chat. Yeah. Um, but it's been really awesome running into people. I ran into some people in Poland. I ran into some people in Hyde Park in London. I ran into some people uh, on the beach in Cornwall that listened to on the beach. Uh, yeah, literally on the beach in Cornwall, which is like the farthest southwest corner of London. You know how like, uh, or, or not London, of England. You know how England has like this little pointy bit that pokes out down yeah. mm-hmm. down and left, if you will? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Cornwall at the end of it. <laughs> uh, it's like six hours away from London. That's wild. Yeah, it, it and, is wild. But yeah, I ran into some dudes who's like, oh, Yo, you're, the, you're the guy with the podcast. And I was like, what the fuck? How do people <laughs> know this? But, but yeah, I guess that's a thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. And I'm super glad that the information we've provided has been useful for people. Yeah. Even if it's
0: just like little bits here and there, like glad to help in any way we can, you know, help
1: with, I, I, I was recently, I don't know, I posted something somewhere and someone was like, yeah, this is my third time listening through the whole thing. And I'm like, that is so much time listening to to you and I just spew bullshit. I know when I go back to edit, I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta listen to us again.
0: Shit, fuck.
1: Uh, I usually don't listen to us when editing. I'm just like fast forwarding <laughs> through the whole thing, going, oh, we said something dumb there. Delete. <laughs> that looks like an um. I'll delete it. Yeah, it exactly. might be. <laughs> All right. So so to the point though, choir. Uh-huh. Um. Brennan, I mean, uh, tell me your experience in dealing with choirs. Let's start sure, there. Sure. I mean, I've honestly, over the last
0: like couple of years since like pandemic started, I've done a lot of like location stuff with choirs and a bunch of them have been a little, like always in kind of interesting places. Like I did like in a library, you know, where we had to bring in PA and set it up and record. And then in more like, uh kind of regular choir venues like churches and stuff like that I've done done a number of those um but yeah so I've I've just been I kind of got like in touch with a couple choir groups in the bay area and they contact me sometimes and sometimes it's just recording sometimes it's live with an audience uh sometimes it's both a lot of times they want to film too so we'll record and I'll have friends come and film and and then like mix it afterwards and stuff like that. So, so yeah, that's kind of been, it's mostly been like non traditional venues, you know, not right, like right.
1: big concert halls or anything like that. Um, right. Yeah. That's do, been do you find it different when you're doing the, the reinforcement side versus the recording side? A little bit. Yeah. Just like, in I mean, terms am I of getting way ahead of where we should yeah, be? Yeah. I mean, we're jumping <laughs> in, but
0: yeah, in terms of like, Mic placement and like number of mics and kind of the variation because sometimes I'll like double up on mics like I'll I'll put up mics for recording specifically and mics specifically for sound reinforcement.
1: Ooh, we got to come back to that. Yeah, we can come. That sounds interesting. But yeah,
0: yeah, like just because a lot of times it's just you want the room sound, right? Like a really roomy sound. And so, but I'm never gonna throw those mics through the PA because it would just not make any too much bleed and too much other stuff yeah yeah. too much distance you know like i'm usually trying to place a stereo pair like equidistant from the choir to like from each end of the choir anyways
1: that uh, that, that's that's really so so the reason i poke at that is because mm -hmm. i have not done that oh i have specifically done things where it's uh sound reinforcement Mm -hmm. um I guess, I guess ages ago I did choir recording where it was like actually in a church and, you know, we just put up two or four whatever, you know, space microphones and you just record Mm -hmm. them. But the room itself sounds amazing. So it was was, honestly, it felt really basic. It felt so easy that it it felt like I was getting free money. It did not make sense to me. No, I mean, honestly,
0: Um, the, the last thing I did was like in a church and it was just this big kind of cement room, like a hexagonal shape. And, uh, and yeah, it was just the easiest thing i didn't really have to put the choir in the speakers at all there was a little like uh, piano yeah. and like soloists a little bit but uh you know honestly i just took basically the stereo there was some other things i could talk about a little bit more but basically just the stereo pair to the recording and like that was the that was the mix for primarily almost all of right.
1: it. right and just like, i mean see, see that's awesome straight to camera yeah and and that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is unfair. Why am I getting paid for this? Why am I getting paid this much for this? You know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this is not me saying you should pay me less for these things. I'm not trying to imply that. You know. But no. No. In those moments, you know, sometimes it's just you're like, this is almost too easy. I Whereas, mean, honestly, the easier yeah. job, the the
0: bigger the job is, it's almost less stressful and more money. Like uh, almost. That's true. To a t- like every time, you know. I you, I can't. You know. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead, finish. I I was just going to say, like, working in venues, you know, where, especially when you start, it's like, that's the hardest one. That's the hardest gig. When you're doing front of house and monitors, you're running through the crowd, you got three bands, you know. I mean, it it gets easier when you, like, feel more confident, but at the beginning,
1: it's fucking hard, and you're doing two jobs and getting paid, like, a quarter of the amount. It's it's so off-topic to what we're trying to talk about here. But one of the things that took me fucking forever to learn is that I get paid for the responsibility, Mm. not the hardness of the work. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. took me forever to figure that out. It's like, uh, to exactly your point, you know, the bigger the gig gets, the work actually gets easier. I have Mm. less hats to put on. I have better sources. I have better PA. I have, you know, better players, all those things. Everything gets easier, Mm -hmm. but the responsibility level and the accountability is so high yeah, that—that's ultimately where the paycheck is coming from. You know, mm-hmm. everybody else in the team is just going, no, no, no. We trust he'll deal with it, and nothing will go wrong. Right. And you know, if anything's going wrong, he'll sort it, and we'll never even know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that was a lesson that took me a long time to figure out. I don't know if you feel the same way there. Yeah. No, I feel like just that. I
0: I feel like the it's your problem solving and your it's it's more like your your knowledge and your ability to to figure it out and and to like have that um, with the person who's hiring you have them just like know that you're gonna get it right is what is when you're getting paid more you know
1: yeah that yeah uh,
0: I mean I I guess yeah yeah because I'm thinking about like you know just working at a venue it's like well, sometimes they have no idea, like if I, I could work at a venue and they would have like no idea if I could actually do it or not. And I'd probably still get paid, you know, and right. no one would check in right. or like care.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, <laughs> yeah, super off topic, but. <laughs> to get back on topic, most of my experience with choirs has been extraordinarily complex situations. Yeah, For I'm, example, so I'm
0: I'm glad we have these two perspectives then, you know?
1: you know. Yeah, yeah, so my my most of my experience is like I don't know, the 16-person choir performing behind a, you know, industrial metal band with a full mm-hmm. orchestra mm-hmm. or like the choir that was on Labyrinth which is equally, you know, I think that was, uh, 14 people maybe, mm-hmm. um, performing behind, you know, kind of cinematic hip hop b r R&B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so in both those scenarios, isolation and that kind of thing is a, is a big deal because there's so much other stuff happening. Uh, you're not trying to really capture natural room sound. Right. So these are like very different ideas. And I guess this is why I was asking you about, uh, the whole difference between recording versus you know the reinforcement side Mm -hmm. because in some of these i've done both but in almost every scenario i've done with the exception of the stuff i was doing ages ago yeah every member of the choir has a handheld mic
0: Mm. yeah yeah i mean i was kind of in preparation for this since i haven't done a lot of those you know those situations where it's like with a full band and everything like that i've more been the the natural like, you know, pair of mics kind of situation. I was watching videos of like, you know, the Rolling Stones doing, you know, that song. You can't always get what you want, mm-hmm. and uh, it's basically They basically had like a mic per pair of choir singers, and I was like, oh, like a dynamic mic, you know. Right. And they'd just like be a pair of people singing, it. and that was kind of like a recurring theme. And I was looking at like Pink Floyd videos and stuff like that, and it was all kind yep. of a similar situation like that at least for those bigger like rock band backing choirs you know so yeah
1: and and you know to to that point you know there's the question that we wrote in this outline here which says you know why are all three of these in the same episode which is you Mm -hmm. know horn strings choir and Mm -hmm. i guess the answer is kind of to the point of what you're kind of poking at a bit is that it's not necessarily that you're looking to hear each individual uniquely but mm-hmm. rather you're trying to hear them as a group of instruments, you know, this wall of sound thing. Right. And that's why you can get away with mics between multiple singers, players, whatever, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or you can use, you know, choir miking where you're group miking versus each person holding an individual microphone.
0: Yeah. 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 So it's like there's the ability to be soloist, but more likely it's a group situation.
1: And I guess sonically, the difference between soloist and group is that when it's a group, you don't really hear an individual. You hear a chord, or -hmm. you hear this kind of like singular thing that is like like a piano playing multiple notes at the same time, or a guitar playing multiple notes at the same time, etc. Right, right. That makes sense. Versus each vocalist uniquely. Now, mind you, when you listen to it, you can pick out each one, but it's kind of presented to the listener as this chord. Versus presented to the listener as unique voices. Does that make sense? Does that sound right to you? Yeah, that sounds right. And I think to touch on
0: that, like the venue size determines your mic choice. It seems like, you know, like smaller venue or resonant venue where everything can be heard. Maybe less miking is necessary, but as you get bigger, And more PA becomes necessary, you know, more individualized miking seems like the way to go. And that seems kind of like what you're saying for those
1: shows that you've been doing. I mean, I guess I see it as like purity of sound determines Mm -hmm. your miking, right? So if you've got uh, a really big venue and there's you know, no bleed, but, you know, of other instruments into what would otherwise end up being choir mics, then cool. Yeah. You can group mic and get away with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And in the case of what you were describing before, which maybe was before we even hit record the idea of recording a choir on their own versus Mm -hmm. a choir behind a band or a choir behind other stuff, Mm -hmm. a choir on their own There isn't really bleed of tons of other stuff. So you kind of can get away with using microphones that are, you know, a few feet away, capturing it as a group. Mm -hmm. But the moment you put like Josh Freeze or Elon Rubin right in front of it, Mm -hmm. every single choir, you know, group mic becomes a snare microphone. Exactly. So that's, that's where you get into a problem because suddenly you have so much bleed in these sources that like you kind of need to switch to handhelds where everyone is holding their own or everyone has a headset or something Mm -hmm. so that at least your signal to noise of like actual usable signal of them singing versus Mm -hmm. other crap that's bleeding in becomes useful enough that you can actually turn them up versus turning up, you know, the snare drum and them, you know? Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. I think
1: that, that, that thinking
0: about the signal to noise that you're going to get see, noise being like just bleed and everything else Other stuff, is like yeah. the most important. The, that's the, that's the key to the, <laughs> making it work because the farther away you are, the, the farther away the mic is from the source, you're just going to ru- like, if you're using wedges, if you're PA, if you don't have enough PA for the size of the room, that kind of thing, like you're going to run into problems in terms of like getting the choir loud enough especially when you're right. dealing with other instruments you know like you're you're yeah you're gonna be in trouble
1: yeah do you find that there is maybe a magic number where it suddenly turns from background vocalists into choir do you know what i mm. mean by that yeah i feel like it's probably
0: like four or five maybe six somewhere in that range i feel like six person choir is The smallest
1: choir. I I would have to go with six. I think once you're below six, as a listener, you can pick out every single voice all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what I don't know what I can do as a mix engineer to really hide that that much. Pardon me, I apologize if I cough in the middle of this. I've been a little bit unwell for the past week and a half. But yeah, you know, five voices, even with doublers and and stereo delays and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. I still think that a listener will be able to pick out Mm -hmm. four, if not five of them. I think once you're to six, you could potentially do doubles of each kind of vocal range, you know, two of the high, two of the mid, two of the low harmony, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at which point you could potentially start to smudge it all together. I think once you're below Mm -hmm. that, it's it's a challenge. But I think mm-hmm. six and above to me sounds about right.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like six. Yeah, because yeah, kind of thinking of that as like a vocal stack. You know, once yeah. you're once you're at six, it's like oh, there's like you could have st- yeah, like you said, lows, mids, and highs, kind of stereoized if you want. Right, and it would be a full sounding. Right. Rating. Right. Um,
1: okay. So so why don't we talk about I mean, I guess the things we've got written down here, I think we've kind of like played around with and just jumped all over mm-hmm. um, genre specific. Is there anything in particular you'd want to poke at that is genre specific before we jump into things like mic choice and mic technique?
0: Mm, nothing I can think of off, off the top of my head. I'd Yeah, I don't know. I, uh,
1: I, I Sir, go ahead.
0: No, no. I mean, I was going to say in terms of like mic choice, maybe, but. I,
1: I think I the only know. thing I can I can really poke at is that generally, if you're actually going for gospel type stuff, you end up putting a lot more reverb around this kind of thing hmm. than if you're going for what might feel a little bit more natural. Gospel is somewhere between natural and supernatural, and I guess that's kind of the point of it, right? It's hmm. supposed to feel you know larger than life, right? <laughs> um, angelic, if you will, right. So a lot of bright reverbs, you know, gets you there. A lot of longer Mm -hmm. tails gets you there. Mm -hmm. But um, you might not do that if you want a choir to fit in. I mean, for example, the Labyrinth gig that I'm on, that's not always the vibe. Sometimes the vibe is that it should feel like a group of people singing, but it should feel kind of dry.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I, I guess, yeah, in terms of like effects and uh, uh, determining the ambience of the sound is important to the genre right like yeah if it's i think so if it's like a church choir like go ahead and you know and it's not in a church (laughs) go ahead and put like a giant cathedral reverb on it or something like that or you know yeah that kind of thing um uh, i was gonna say like at least in terms of like mixing things after the fact even if I'm in like a reverberant space, sometimes I'll put, you know, like a room reverb and then on top of that, a reverb that emulates the space to go right. with it. I don't know. But I uh, I guess that's not yeah. really genre specific, but...
1: Eh, not yeah. really, but, you know, kind of to poke at that a little bit, um, even in a single song, um, I sometimes change the length of reverbs if we're in a fast part of a song, um, mm-hmm. reverbs will be shorter to mm-hmm. make the mm-hmm. choir feel a little bit more staccato, to make it feel like it's a little tighter. Mm-hmm. You get into the legato or halftime sections of songs, I might make the reverb a little bit longer to make mm-hmm. it feel like it fits the time a little bit better. Yeah, do and, you, and, you know? I like realize. Do, do you go
0: ahead. for a specific uh, time division? When you're doing that, like long versus short, like half note versus quarter note or something like that.
1: You know, the long, I usually try to math out for a half note, Mm -hmm. but you know, every single reverb, like at least the digital ones, right? Every single reverb has got a kind of different curve for its decay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it feels really, really dense and really, really dense, really, really dense, suddenly gone. Sometimes it feels really dense, a little bit dense, really little dense, you know, almost gone. You know, like the kind of curve, it's either, you know, linear, logarithmic, exponential, whatever it might be. So the timing I end up putting in never actually lines up to, you know, a half note. It's mm-hmm. usually longer than that because audibly it feels like it's gone by a half note mm-hmm. or it's shorter than that because audibly it somehow ends up feeling like it's gone by a half note, you know, like mm-hmm. all those curves right. feel different. So the number doesn't always line up with what like gotcha. technically makes sense. Gotcha. So you kind of go by the feel of the decay. Yeah. I mean, I do the same thing with snare drums and stuff too, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's pretend genre specific is kind of out the window now. So let's talk about mic choices, um, individual miking versus group miking. And you brought up a really great point earlier, which is about reinforcement versus recording. And mm-hmm. I'm super interested in your perspective on individual miking versus group miking. Let's mm-hmm. talk specifically about reinforcement first. Okay. Cool.
0: Well, I mean. So as I said at the top of this, I haven't done like a ton in like bigger venues and stuff like that. But in terms of what has worked a bit for me, you know, for individual miking, going with like, I guess it depends on like how far I've just been in weird situations where people are spaced far apart or they're close together. And I guess if they're close together, then going with you know, something that's a little more narrower pickup pattern so that they, there's not as much bleed from the other singers Between into their them, mics. Yeah. yeah. So something like Hyper or Super Cardioid would be so, my preference. So do you have any
1: favorites? I mean, we might as well throw some, some brands out there. Or, you know. I
0: mean, I've, i like the sound of like the Shure, like 87A. I think that's
1: the yeah, one. Yeah.
0: yeah. And the, uh, I mean, I'm, I've been pretty partial to like the SEV seven. I haven't used it like on a choir per se, but like on backup singers and stuff, it's kind of nice, like isolation. Um, yeah. Uh, probably like telefunken M81s or M80s would be fucking sweet on a group of choir, but, uh, I don't don't have, I don't have the, uh, you know. I, I, I you don't have enough sure, of those I, yet I, I don't yeah i don't have enough of those <laughs> to do everybody
1: but hey uh, if anyone from telefunken is listening to this uh brendan you know message him he'll give you his address you can happen <laughs> to just send you know 18 of them to his house Ooh, he wouldn't Thanks. be upset i appreciate
0: it. i uh, honestly i need one for the next tour i'm doing so you know if if i could just get only one, one? That, yeah maybe two. So you just, you know, you
1: just text me up. i'll send it to you i've i've, I've oh, one great. i think i have two actually oh cool settled then um yeah, yep, yeah, settled. But you know, Telefunken, send him sixteen more. Now that he's got two from me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell, um, tell me, tell me about your individual so miking of choirs. So, like
1: what w- what's what's interesting is that you know you say V seven and um, on Labyrinth we I, I did put V sevens on every single member of the choir. Oh, nice. and the reason why was because genre wise, what he does is this kind of like cinematic thing Mm -hmm. where there are moments that are, you know, very legato, gospel-y, big stuff. And then there are moments where it's supposed to feel like 16 people whispering in your ear, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's supposed to feel kind of uncomfortable or supposed to feel crazy intimate, even though it's this like large chunk of people. Mm -hmm. And that V7 has like such a clear top end that normally I actually don't like them on background vocals because they make them too clear. They make them too present. Right. Um, but for this gig, it worked really well because I could use, you know, top end roll off to basically make them feel a little bit more distant or put that top end back in. And you can kind of get this, um, what is it? The ASMR type Mm -hmm. feeling of Mm -hmm. the detail in mouth movements and lip smacking and all that stuff. Uh, that might, captures it quite well while also rejecting a lot of 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 bleed yeah so if you've got a really for that gig it worked really well the crispy the like the clarity on that them can be surprising
0: sometimes i remember doing this band and it was the lead vocalist and it just came in so hot and crisp like at the beginning of the set and I was just like, oh my goodness, that you're, like you're like, blew this my is head too off. in my face, <laughs> yeah. too clear. I,
1: I can't even fucking handle this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so interestingly, normally I actually wouldn't go for that for a choir because mm-hmm. I find that it is, you know, so clear and so present. Mm-hmm. And usually what I want at a choir is to kind of back them up a bit. They, they're mm-hmm. usually behind something as opposed to being, you know, in, in terms of what I'm working yeah. on, they're usually mm-hmm. behind something rather than being the lead instrument at, any, at a given time. Sure. So normally what I actually really like, and this is gonna sound basic as hell, is the SM 58. Um, a fifty-eight, it's not so crispy clear, but it is kind of upper mid-range forward and pretty much has no low end in it and all that. So mm-hmm. and also it's really easy to get, you know, 16, 18, 20 of those on a rental. Uh, whereas yeah. it can be a little bit harder to say, hey, you know, uh, Sound Image, or you now Claire, uh, <laughs> you know, can I get 22 of this exact capsule on shore Axiom Wireless? It's like, that's a big ask. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but 58 capsules, they got they got plenty of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it
0: works too. <laughs> I, I, I've i done that for recording as well. Like, I did this gig where they the first song they had like all the members of the choirs actually in the back of the audience and like spaced like six feet apart from each other. Wow. And um, that's how they started it. So I I had like a bunch of cheap, like wireless 58s and I I was like, I don't want to run cable all over the place. So I just like put like one in between each per each pair, you know, like all around and that worked totally fine. Like it was great.
1: Yeah. And, and something nice about that 58 is that it's not incredibly present and it kind of smears together a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, th- those are kind of my, my general preferences for handheld and, you know, up close. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to group miking, which I've been able to do a couple of times, but again, most of my experience with this kind of stuff is like, you know, big rock band that has a choir or, you know, mm-hmm. hip hop thing that has a choir or like just there's a lot yeah. of other noise on stage, so I haven't been able to get away with group miking as much. Mm-hmm. But when I have, uh, it's always been, you know, large diaphragm condensers mm-hmm. that are, I don't know, maybe, maybe eight feet in front of a group and pointed mm-hmm. a little bit upwards at them. Mm-hmm. And as many as needed to cover, let's say, a 90 degree angle, you know, from each microphone. So, you know, 45 degrees out to each side. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I so maybe eight feet of width, eight feet of distance, or whatever for each mic. You know, so if yeah. you got sixteen feet wide of players, two of them. If you got more than that, you know, three of them. If you got more than that, yeah. four of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the coverage is important, especially if you're recording. To you know, just having those, even if it's three, you know, just getting that even coverage of everyone in the choir makes it easier to like mix it all together and have a full
1: like get the full image of everybody. Um, so actually that reminds me something. So earlier in, in this episode, I guess, uh, uh you had mentioned, you know, the difference between recording versus reinforcement. And you've said sometimes you have both sets of mics up. Can you, Mm -hmm. can you kind of run through that?
0: Yeah. I mean, what I was thinking of specifically is like having a room pair that's farther away from the choir. So at least, like equidistant from the edges of the choir, kind of like making an equilateral triangle into the room with the pair of mics, um, is generally where I found. And doing like a uh, what's it like one ten? Is that
1: was O R T F? Yeah, the O R T F. Yeah, one
0: hundred ten yeah, degrees O-R-T-F. out. Yeah, with a pair of omnis for the recording. And uh, I mean my my choice of well, actually, what's available Does 110 to me? Does one
1: hundred ten degrees matter if it's an omni?
0: I don't know, but it sounds good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think you're technically not doing ORTF anymore if you're using Omnis, but but what I get it, what you're saying. Really? I thought it was Omnis from I'm ORTF. pretty sure those have to be directional if you're going to say it. They're pointed 110 degrees out, because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, if they're Omni, it doesn't make sense, man.
0: Oh, well, you know, you learn something. Anyways, hey, if
1: if it works, if it works, it works.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm looking at the Wikipedia. It looks like cardioid.
1: There you go. See, Brendan didn't say Omni earlier. He definitely said Cardioid. Definitely said cardioid.
0: But anyway, or, or, para- or he didn't
1: Earth-work. say ORTF, or he didn't say that.
0: Yeah, but you know, it sounds good para-earthworks in that positioning out in front of the choir seems to do the job a lot of times for me and i like how it sounds so there you go but
1: effectively you're spacing them like human ears width right yeah yeah yes so i mean that's kind of the point of rtf anyways that it's like somewhat like human ears you know that Mm -hmm. width and kind of pointing outwards um so you know what's interesting is that you mentioned that you've run these two separate pairs for record and um live I had forgotten that I had done this as well, but when okay. we, when we were rehearsing Labyrinth before this Coachella show that we did uh, earlier this year, mm-hmm. um, we were recording stems as well, so that we had kind of backups of things because we didn't know if we were always going to have the choirs for every performance, things like that. Yeah, and what what I was doing was I was recording all sixteen or whatever it was microphones individually, and then the way we have our rehearsal set up is that i feed stems back to the playback guy as well as playback playing from him so that he can record straight into the playback rig too so mm, i took okay. those 16 microphones did a mix down you know in real time you know they had some reverbs mm-hmm. some effects some um, uh, compressions some high passes eqs whatever mm-hmm. goes into a group which then feeds back into him which feels like a you know choir stem if you will mm-hmm. Yeah. So I sent that back to him and recorded it to him. We listened to it and we're like, this feels just too close. It feels like, you know, a microphone too close to a mouth. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So we also put up exactly how I would have group mic'd those Mm -hmm. players. Mm -hmm. And we put up, uh, I think it was actually three microphones just because of the physical width of what we're trying to cover. It was just three, maybe KSM 32s, maybe four fourteens. I think it was KSM 32s, but uh, maybe eight feet, maybe 10 feet away, like quite spaced mm-hmm. in a reasonably dead sounding room. But just adding just enough of that distance kind of did this glue thing. Mm-hmm. And we recorded that into the playback system as well. Yes. And then when we listened back, we listened to, you know, my stem mix, if you will. And then we listened to this distance mix. Now, mind you, that distance mix didn't sound great, you know, it just sounded like Mike's 10 feet away from a choir. I mean, mind you, mm-hmm. it's a very good choir. It doesn't do that whole gospel bigness thing. Mm-hmm. But just that little bit of distance blended into that other mix we had, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it was like, cool, this is everything we needed. All of a sudden yeah. we took this stuff that felt too close and it pushed it back a couple of feet. And suddenly mm-hmm. it felt like you had a group almost surrounding you singing yeah. along. Oh yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. what was cool about that, though, is that what we ended up doing when we actually did the show is that we doubled the choir with their own recording from the rehearsal. So we actually played the show. We had choir track and live choir singing the same bits, but I basically stereo inverted it so that, you know, we'd get a little bit of difference Mm. and width and all that. And it it felt massive because, you know, kind of to the point of what we were saying earlier, you know, like six people is kind of the minimum to get away with it, feeling like a real choir, Mm -hmm. but I don't think there's any maximum i really don't Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the more you get the bigger it feels the more intense it feels or the more control you have too right yeah
0: you're gonna and you're gonna have more control with that backing track doubling right like if you want to really push it loud like you could do it right Uh, exactly you could do it with the mics too but i mean it's not going to be the same as you know, cranking yeah. up that backing track as well. But
1: effectively we just turned a 16 person choir into a 32 person choir and it yeah. felt massive and, you know, it went, it went over really well. Um, but yeah, it was neat awesome. though, because it did require that kind of extra spaced pair to suddenly right. make it feel like it made sense. Otherwise it just felt too close. It didn't feel right. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it do was you, just kind of
0: neat. Do you, uh, uh like, Has there been other times where you've had to just rely on the close ones though? And then like, what did you do to, like, did it, did you notice that feeling like of too closeness when you were doing that and have to like fix it somehow or? Yeah.
1: So on, on the Elfman gig, it's Mm -hmm. 16 choir members and there's, there's no way I can put room mics up. Because there's yeah. strings, there's drums, there's high gain guitars, bass, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff happening up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, it's just a crap ton of uh, wired 58s because mm-hmm. they don't they don't carry them off and move around. They, they, they stay in one place. Gotcha. Um, so of course, all of that, as you kind of pull it together, it, it feels a little bit too close. Now, mm-hmm. in terms of processing that, Your goal is to make the processing of that vocal one, feel really controlled, and Mm -hmm. two, feel a tiny bit distant. So, to get it distant, first of all, no proximity effect. You got to pull away all that low end. So, you're going to high pass a lot higher than you would otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I say a lot higher than you would otherwise, I mean, you know, 250 to 400, depending on the voice itself. And the difference between each of those individual voices is going to be crazy. Like it, you wouldn't think it's that different, but like one person you can get away with high passing them at 400 and it still feels like there's low in there. Someone else, once you've got them high passed at like 200, it already feels like there's just nothing left. So some of these EQs end up looking really crazy to kind of try and even everyone out. And it's just cause it's everyone's voice is different. And also yeah. some of them are right on the mic. Some of them are, you know, six inches away. Like, you can't control that. They're going to do what they're going to do. And your hope is that they continue to do the same thing throughout the show. <laughs> Obviously, if they go from being right on it to like way off it to right on it, this it, it just becomes more and more challenging for for you. It's not that it's impossible, mm-hmm. but it is realistically impossible for you to manage 16 different people doing that. Yeah, You know, if you've got like two people and they're kind of like getting on and off the mic and doing that, you can kind of deal with that. And you can figure out your way through it with, you know, dynamic EQs or multibands, that kind of stuff. You can do that. But when you're doing that with 16 people, it gets a lot messier. Uh, In general, I find that when you've got large groups of people, it's better to under process and get away with it. Versus if you have, you know, multibands on every single person, you're doing multiband compression across, you know, 16, 18, 32 inputs or whatever, when those things start to release it makes huge changes in the sound Mm. versus you know when you're doing it on a couple inputs does that make sense
0: yeah yeah that makes sense i mean and just like the difference in rate of release and attack of all those of their different voices it it would make more sense to me to just put it on the stereo group yeah
1: that that is generally what i try to do so I guess to your point, right? So each of those individuals, you know, I'll high pass, I'll EQ to try and get them reasonably even overall. I usually Mm kind of leave a little bit of scoop in the 700 to 900 range because Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a choir. It should be background most of the time. Mm -hmm. And that 700 to 900 range is like very, for me, kind of saved Mm -hmm. for lead vocal or lead instrument. You know, that that's like that little bit of frequency spectrum where to me, it feels like you can absolutely tell the note that is being played mm-hmm. and I save that for the lead instrument. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So generally flattened, um, flatten them out. Um, I generally roll off top end over 5k, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just like a soft roll off just cause it just kind doesn't of, need to be there. Kind of makes sense uh,
0: with the 58 too. Cause yeah, the 58 don't have like high- much
1: above that anyways. <laughs> Doesn't it like kind of boost a little bit around? It, it, it boosts right about there, but then after that, it mm-hmm. kind of just drops off. Yeah. drops off. Yeah. It drops off. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, start rolling off the top end. And then mm-hmm. I usually try to do some amount of expansion to kind of just clean up noise floor. But again, mm-hmm. that's because I'm usually doing this in scenarios where there's a lot of other stuff happening on stage. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to clean them up. Um, mm-hmm. I personally use the UA Cedar plugin which is a C-suite Vox that is basically mm. a Cedar hardware unit running in a plug-in format. And it is, in my opinion, the best noise reduction there is for a vocal. Uh, mm. It's a dynamic threshold, so it follows when they're singing quietly versus when they're singing loudly. Mm. What's it called? Um, it's called C-Vox, and C-vox. it's you know part of one of the UA plugins you can run, which means then you have to be running UA hardware or whatever to do it, which is a, right. you know, it can be a pain. But Mm -hmm. on Elfman, I was running three X16s just to run uh, 16 of those plugins. Hmm. It was a little insane. (laughs) But uh, a little bit of noise reduction to try and clean things up. And I think we were talking about this and we were talking about horns as well. I like putting a really low ratio compressor there just to tighten stuff up a bit. So like, I don't know, 1.15 or 1.25 to 1 on each input. Yeah, On each input, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've... I've kind of been living and dying by
1: that <laughs> lately. <laughs>
0: that rule <laughs> or that that choice,
1: you know, it just yeah, helps so much. You, you don't go heavy; you just go yeah. enough to just start pulling it just together a little bit, a little touch, yeah. Um, and then you know, all those kind of combine together, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You could, I guess, get away with sending them. You, you know, first off, I put them all in a group. Yep. From that group, I might put an additional EQ. I might put a dynamic EQ that's keyed off of a lead instrument. You know, so like mm-hmm. uh, lead vocal um it hits a dynamic eq as the side chain input so it takes out some mid-range and some top end from mm-hmm. that choir group so the lead vocal always stands out on top mm-hmm. um there might be a little bit of compression not might be there'll definitely be a bit of compression on that <laughs> choir group yeah. um there'll probably be That's... another high pass on that choir group again just to make sure there's none of that low-end garbage in there
0: what yeah. are you about to say Let,
1: i feel like you're gonna say something. can we yeah can we
0: jump into like compression for like the group a little bit because i the, the dynamic range can be like so massive sometimes. I guess it's maybe a little different when you're, you know, they're backing for a band, but when they're like, honestly, when they're, they're by themselves, they can go from like the tiniest whisper to like
1: clipping the preamps, like <laughs> in, not, not no going to lie. They'll do the same thing when there's a whole band it, there too. <laughs> yeah. It's it's wild. Like it I, it, it is wild. The, the, the interesting thing about that is, you know, if you put a compressor on that group, all it's going to do is pull them down when they get really hot, right? Yeah. It's not going to pull them up when they get quiet. No. Now, yeah, someone can make the argument, yeah, you could do parallel compression to kind of do that. But what I would suggest is that you learn when they're quiet and you use like a VCA or DCA or control group or whatever it would be called in your desk that is controlling those inputs and you ride it up into that <laughs> compressor on the group mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when they're quiet because you know those parts and you can push mm-hmm. it up and then you pull it back down and let that compressor kind of take care of when they get loud, but you need to sort out when they get quiet. Mm-hmm. W- yeah, that makes sense. I-, I feel like you have you have an opinion about this one. Tell me.
0: No, I mean, that that makes sense because I... I you, <sighs> adding more gain to the, like, it's kind of like a self it's defeating the purpose of like removing the bleed and the, all the other instruments that are going into those mics, you know, when they're quiet, like you're just going to be bringing up the noise floor like all the time. If you're doing a lot of like gain post-compression. Um, right. Well, so.
1: I guess that's the thing that, that makes an issue of parallel compression with things like choirs with me is that they're not always singing. But there's always mm-hmm. bleed in that shit. So yeah. parallel compression is usually just going to bring up a lot of the mess,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but isn't necessarily going to know when they're singing, right? I mean, right. unless you got immaculate gating or immaculate noise reduction, which we never have, mm-hmm. um, you know, the only way to kind of clean this up best is for you to know when they're going to be quiet and you push it up. But you yeah. push it up pre the group. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, so... Given all that, you know, input side processing, and then a little bit of group processing there, we got some some compression. Uh, I guess it comes to the question of, you know, where do you add the space, Mm -hmm. right? And I personally like to add it on each individual input. So when I say that, I mean, I will put a send on each input that goes to a room reverb. Now that room Mm -hmm. reverb is sub one second decay time. And actually just sounds like eh, not like a, uh, like a room where you kind of hear the chattering of it, where you like clap mm-hmm. and it's like, K-k-k-k. it's not like a that. A soft room. Yeah, a really soft room, which really to me usually ends up being a hall reverb with the time just set incredibly low. Mm-hmm. Those tend to sound smoother to me than actually loading a room preset. Room presets, often you hear like the early reflections and you can like almost hear that there's walls that are too close. Yeah. That never okay. feels good to me. But the goal of this room is to make it feel like it's not a microphone shoved in your ear as you're hearing it, but rather it's actually a microphone with some space around it that you're hearing. So and then what, all of those which, inputs go to that, and then that also routes to the group, meaning that return group, right? routes to the group. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you are about to say something?
0: No, that's what I was going to ask. Like, I, I figured the, the room would go to the group as well, so that
1: the yeah, processing so the, the, on that group is... Exactly, so that well. if you do any, any sort of EQ in the group, any sort of compression in the group, all that, it it takes the room with it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would posit that you can go farther with that send and return than you think you can. Mm. Meaning, you know, if you turn it up and you go, oh, cool, I hear the verb, and then you kind of back it off a bit from there, going, okay, cool, now it's a room that just feels natural, that's probably okay, but after you get that dialed in for all the inputs, and the reason I do this separately on each end of the inputs is that, as I said, some people like sing right on the mic. Some people sing a little bit away from the mic. Mm-hmm. So I end up with a little bit different amount for different people. So the guys who are right on the mic, give them a little bit more room, turn their level down. Interesting. <coughs> the guys that are a little bit away from the mic, a little bit less room, turn their mic up a tiny bit. So your balance kind of comes together. <coughs> So once you get them all kind of balanced, so it feels like they're somewhat in the same space. Try take that room return. Um, and also uh, high pass the aux master and low pass that aux master. Mm. And if you can DS that aux master mm. so that mm. whatever's going to the reverb has no S's in it. Just let it mm. compress the snot out of those S's. So you never get a verb that goes like, S's, because that sounds like crap. um yeah and get rid of all the low end get rid of like all the ultra high end um and then on that return do the same thing you know put a put a high pass put a low pass and play with that eq until you get a room verb that makes it feel natural but isn't that audible Mm. once you got that eq kind of dialed which usually to me means you know you're actually taking out a little bit of that like one to two k range because that's usually where you can hear a reverb Mm -hmm. And you might even be boosting in that like five to 700 range where it's like that kind of like almost boxiness of the room, but like part of what makes it feel natural. Once you got that dialed, take a listen to it and then take that room return and take it to like, I don't know, plus six and see what it sounds like. (laughs) And I'll bet you suddenly it actually kind of feels more like a group of people singing in a space Mm. than it does feel like individuals singing into microphones. Mm. Uh, it was cool. it was it was definitely Danny Elfman who taught me how much farther you can push reverbs than you think you can, because mm. I I would like he'd I'd, I'd have verbs on the strings and I'd be like yeah here's my short one here's my long one he's like oh yeah cool 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 turn those up a lot and I'd push them <laughs> up to plus three and I'd be like that feels really wet and he'd be like no 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 push give me more and he'd just just keep going and he'd be like cool now that sounds like strings and I'm like no that sounds like strings and a lot of reverb right and then he'd yeah. go away. And I'd be like, you know what, this is what he asked for. I I trust him. I'm just going to, you know, take a break. I'm going to go, you know, grab a bottle of water, come back. And I came back in and I hit play on the playback and I was like, fuck, that sounds like a movie score. (laughs) And then I would take it back down to the level where it was before. And I'm like, oh, that sounds like natural strings oh shit film scores don't sound like natural strings they sound like overhyped strings right. oh shit this is what he wants and I, I don't think i was ever comfortable with going that far until he just like was like no 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 just keep going keep going keep going yeah, keep yeah, go- yeah, oh yeah. there it is that's good and even at that time i was like this feels wrong but then being able to like reset your brain by walking out of the room mm-hmm. and coming back and you came back and you hit unmute you're like oh shit that sounds good you know <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that like trying not to go overboard with effects is, you know, something you get in your head a lot. And like, I mean, I think about that all the time too. Like, am I just going overboard right now? Like, are people going to be like, what the fuck? You know, like, why is there so much reverb on it? And I I think that's, that's cool that he. I
1: I do want to make a good point though, though, that one of the mistakes that rookies in general make all the time. Is going overboard on effects.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think that's and that's why that's, you know.
1: And is that why both you and I are kind of generally more reticent to use them? yes And like we'll put it in the only one that's when what I think. there. Yeah.
0: That's what yeah. I think because I I feel like I was like oh reverb it's so cool like it makes everything better you know like
1: butter. Well, I mean, I I've seen a million shows where you know someone's pulling up their their drums or whatever, and then they start spending time on this new reverb, but you can't even hear the vocal. Mm-hmm. and I'm like yeah. you are absolutely misprioritizing what is important in this song right Right. Yeah. you know or, or things are just really wet and it's like great yeah that feels cool but it's just lost clarity you know so yeah, be very aware of what you're doing but uh, back to I guess where I was going with this whole in- individual channels going into the group mm-hmm. uh, to me there's always two reverbs one of them is that room that's made to make it spacious, mm-hmm. but not made to make it feel, you know, gospel or long or or cavernous or legato. Right. That is a separate reverb.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that second reverb, you know, I'll call it like a room verb and a long verb. And I, I think we may have talked about this in the horns episode because I do the same thing on horns. I do the same thing on strings. Yeah, we um, definitely
0: said something like this for sure
1: yeah so there's there's always a short one that's the rooms thing and then there's a long one that is you know this legato thing and same general trick each of the individual ones go there at you know whatever level feels about right for the most part since it's all post fade sends for me those usually all end up at the same level Mm -hmm. um and what i usually end up doing is riding up and down the return so when i want Hmm. it to be a more reverby feeling thing i just ride the return up if I want it to be less reverb, pull that pull that return down. And, you know, I'll change the uh reverb length depending on the song. And it's mm. the same trick for the send and same trick for the return. Don't be afraid to heavily EQ the send into the reverb mm-hmm. while listening to the return. Un- mm. you know, to to just keep messing with that send into the reverb until suddenly you go, Hell, that reverb sounds exactly like what I want it to feel like. And what mm. you want it to feel like for that kind of legato verb is something that is audible. So you're not trying Mm -hmm. to hide it. So you're typically not pulling away that like one to three K range. You're trying to find somewhere there where it's audible, but doesn't sound, you know, uh, harsh, bitey, honky, whatever, any of those things. Mm -hmm. So I typically end up with a really wide boost somewhere between one and three K there. And then Mm -hmm. maybe a couple narrow cuts to kind of, you know, uh, smooth it out if necessary. Still mm-hmm. things like de and stuff, really, really useful on that send. And then on that return, you can do the same kind of thing, you know, high-pass, low-pass, you know, do an EQ till it sounds right. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. And then that's feeding your group as well.
1: And that goes into the group, yeah. So that group kind of becomes the master level for mm-hmm. everything inside of it, you know. So if you want less choir overall, take that group down a little bit. If you want more choir overall, bring that group up.
0: Mm-hmm. I think on horns, we touched on uh, putting reverb directly on the group.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely do that sometimes. It's just with choirs, you usually have so many individuals that like doing it on the individuals, it's like kind of untenable. You're going to use too many verbs. Mm -hmm. You can probably get away with doing it on the group though. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Um,
0: do you do any kind of like, I mean, you were talking about using the playback to double the choir, but do you do any kind of like, what about like panning? of those individual mics let's get into that
1: you know oh, so, so that gets interesting so you know not to keep jumping on the elfman one but it's because the elfman one is very interesting
0: go for it we all want to know about it
1: um <laughs> i had made an assumption because i didn't get enough time to like hear every single person singing uh-huh. until we we're already into things at which point you know we're we're going through songs and I can't be like, Hey, all 65 players stop. I want to hear, you know, Soprano two, <laughs> choir six, choir seven, choir nine. Like it's, you don't really get that time. Right. So what you do get is after they've all left, you can go back and listen to the recording and like, mm-hmm. you know, cue up a couple things and loop things and go, Oh, who is singing? What part? Um, it's actually funny because after the Elfman gig, I went off and did all this stuff and I was doing some other gig and someone's like, Oh yeah, I was on Elfman too. And I was like, shit, we never met. <laughs> and they were one of the horn players. And we never met because I was doing front of house, which means, you know, during rehearsal, I'm in a separate room, you know, listening yeah. to stuff. So I, I didn't actually even meet everyone. But uh, back to the point of that. Um, in general, choirs tend to be grouped by vocal range, right? So sopranos, altos, tenors, you know, bass, etc. they'll be in groups, um, in the Elfman setup, Danny intentionally, uh, set everyone up in pairs. So it'll be a pair that is the same range. Then the next pair is a different range. And the next pair hmm. may be that same first range, etc. cetera, with the idea that you go pan, left, pan, right, pan, left, pan, right, <laughs> pan, left, pan, right. Okay. Whereas, um, when it's kind of groups, especially if you want to kind of adhere to, you know, general orchestral type panning rules where orchestras are always set up in a particular manner. And mm-hmm. in general, orchestral mixes are built to match that, uh, physical setup. Uh, I was kind of doing that too, being like, well, you know, the, the left section, you know, I'm going to pan them all a little bit left, uh, the, you know, left middle, a little bit left middle, left, uh, right middle, a little bit right middle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was almost, I, I was basically panning them like you saw them. Yeah. Yeah, And then I went back and listened to it. I was like, this doesn't actually make musical sense. And I was listening to it and very clearly it was in pairs. I was like, oh, cool. Well, you know, you're the left version of this part. You're the right version of this part. You're the left version of this part. You're the right version of this part. And uh, we basically ended up with hard left, hard right for almost everyone, except for once we got down to the bases, because the singers themselves weren't so dead on with each other mm-hmm. that... I could pan them hard left and right and have it feel centered. Um, mm. base parts can be hard to get to balance like that. So they were panned, I don't know, 20% left, 20% right instead, you know? hmm Uh, cool. so, but basically the idea was, this was a really dense production. I need as much space as possible. Hard left, or right, hard right, gives me space in the middle to put other important stuff, you know?
0: Right.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, how about yourself? I mean, panning wise, what do you usually do when you've got, you know, a bunch of players or singers? I mean, I mean
0: you know, like I was saying, I haven't, a lot of times I've just been, I've just had spot mics for groups most of the time. So,
1: I mean, and, think and I did, when you have the spot mics, do you uh, kind of pan them to the physical position of where they are, where you're looking, or yeah. do you actually get, go as wide as they're, as wide as you can?
0: Um, I'm trying to think of like actually reinforcing them because it's different. Like when it's recorded, you know, it's like, usually it's, well, I don't know. I don't know. This is, this this is kind of a tough one for me. Um, I feel like I've probably usually just pan them to where they are because it seems to make more sense. Like when you're in the room and you're, and you're hearing just the choir themselves the sopran- and the Sopranos are like, they usually space them, you know, like Sopranos on the right, or altos, tenors, bass or whatever. So right. like I would usually pan them so that they match where they are in the room. And that way it's reinforcing that image of them.
1: And, and to be honest, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the only reason what I'm doing I can get away with is because we're usually on, you know, outdoor stages or amphitheaters, things like that, that are so wide that most people are only hearing one half of the PA. So if I actually put Sopranos on the left-ish, yeah. they don't get the full musical part if right. you're on the left side of the, the yeah. you know, the audience or right side of the audience. You know, you don't get the full musical spectrum of what's going on. But yeah, exactly. in the yeah, context this- of, of what you're doing, it might make more sense to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like in most of the situations I've been in, you can hear the choir pretty clearly (laughs) in the room. And it's just like adding a little bit extra if necessary. right? Like
1: proper reinforcement versus, you know, this full on creative everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that's kind of what
1: I've been, what I've been doing. So, so one thing we've been ignoring a little bit here this entire time Uh is the monitoring side of stuff. Oh yeah. (laughs) So tell, tell me about, your experience with the choirs you've dealt with and what you've provided them for monitoring a lot of times they just
0: need like if they might be singing to playback and so a lot of times i'll get away with just not needing to put them in their wedges and just giving them playback that they're singing along to which is the best case scenario um when you're using wedges Um, there's been a couple times where I've had to put some choir in wedges for them, but like, it's been smaller choirs in smaller rooms and the ability to like put the mics really close to them. And even it was like a pair of mics, but like they were literally like feet away from their heads so that, you know, I could put a little bit in the monitors and there wasn't uh, a band or anything like that. So You
1: know, speaking of feet away from their heads, have you done many of those, you know, hanging choir mics, you know, those tiny little small cap <laughs> condensers that hang? Have you done that? <laughs> I haven't done that. I feel like those,
0: I, I don't know, like if they actually use those to go through a PA or not, but like probably mostly just for recording, I would imagine.
1: I would assume so, but, you know, assume something like an Earthworks capsule or DPA capsule yeah. in there, you can get some pretty good directionality. I mean, yeah. I, I, I would actually, I would love to actually use one of those and see what it's like. I've just never done it. It hasn't come up.
0: I mean, I feel like I, it's I,
1: I never have a grid above my choir to be able to hang I, anything from.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've like recorded with the earthworks where I just put them really high up on a boom pole in the middle mm-hmm. and that works really well. I mean, like at least for recording, it sounds great. Right. Um, but I haven't had the experience of like trying to use those as reinforcement. So I don't know.
1: Interesting. Well, so, sorry for jumping the topic, though. So, back to the monitoring thing. Yeah. Um, what are some of the challenges you've run into with choirs and monitoring? I mean,
0: it's mostly just, like, game before feedback is the real challenge. And, right. and like, you know, depending on how wide they are apart, like, uh, feeding one side, like, feeding one side into the other and like and the, the mic that's closer to that wedge basically like you're more likely to get feedback from the mic that's closer to that wedge right so of course yeah i mean what i've found myself doing is like trying to push like some of the other mic a little bit more in the wedge that's farther away from it and like kind of doing the opposite
1: of makes makes sense
0: you know that's kind of one way to kind of get around it
1: a little bit so so let's say a group has a left right pair of wedges in yeah. the left wedge you might push the right microphone a bit yeah and in the right wedge you might push the left microphone a bit but ultimately both microphones are coming through both and
0: yeah both are uh, going yeah. through both just a little bit more and and i guess that kind of depends on like the size of your choir right like this right experience i'm thinking about is like a smaller you know six to nine person choir so i mean they were all hearing each other too and like you could kind of get away with that <laughs> um if they were spaced farther apart then you know i might have to be more
1: uh yeah yeah i know mean, yeah. I, I i, I get know. what you're saying you, yeah. you might have to kind of just mess with it more yeah. what about in-ears have you done much in-ears with choirs i haven't i haven't done that at all actually
0: <laughs> did it is that what they did with like Elfman? Were they all on ears or?
1: Like yeah, that? that's, that's, that's what I've actually usually ended up doing because I just don't want wedges anywhere. I don't want, yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean, want more noise on stage. You uh, know? Yeah.
0: It's it, preferably no wedges, please with the choir. Now, obviously no, obviously the
1: challenge there is right. Like, let's say you've got 16 choir members, mm-hmm. um, sheer cost and, and feasibility of doing 16 in-ear mixes that's It's unrealistic in most scenarios, right? So you're not going to be able to give each individual singer their own ears, ears mix. Mm-hmm. So often, choirs are forced to deal with one single ears mix. Now, the worst way you can do this is put all the vocals in them all in the center with some verb and you know, whatever else is going on around it, you know, playback or whatever the other band stuff is that's happening. Now you got 16 people all singing over each other in the middle, at which point none of them can hear themselves and all of them can hear basically nothing, right? Not helpful. Mm -hmm. So what I have historically tried to do is to split into musical groups. So, 16 players. If I can get three ears mixes to 16 players, that's that'll work for me. Mm-hmm. So what that ultimately means is four people in an individual musical group are going to be on one mix, four people on another musical group type are going to be on another mix, and four people are going to be on another mix. Now, if you have a balance where you can do, I don't know, four females, four females, four males, that that'll work well. Usually the males in a female mix tend to kind of dominate the mix. They just, mm. just, just the tonality of the voice tends to be a little bit like uh, rounder in the low mids, which just takes up more space. Hmm. Um, so being able to separate the males under their own mix can be quite helpful. Now, even when you got four people sharing the same mix, it can be really challenging if you just stick four up the center. Mm-hmm. It's still four voices that sound damn similar all on top of each other. Mm. So I, what I've found works the best and you tell the players this, you go, um, I don't know, odd numbers are going to be on the left side, even numbers are going to be on the right side. So singer one is on the left, singer two is on the right, singer three is on the left, singer four is on the right. And I mean hard left and hard right. Mm. And that's because it's easier for your brain to hear things that are all the way on one side mm. versus things that are panned somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. So if you go, Cool. I know my voice is all the way on the left. It becomes easier for your brain to focus on it. And there's only one other voice competing with you. Mm. And then on the right side, there's two other people that don't matter as much to you, but you want to use them as reference. They're there. And Mm. then all the rest of the choir is still in there. They're just tucked in like underneath. Mm. But these four vocals are louder. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, group two, same thing, you know, odd numbers left, even numbers right or whatever. So that'll be singer five left, singer six right, singer seven left, singer eight right. And all the rest of the singers, yeah, they're in there. They're just lower. It's just that this four is hot in that mix. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So this has been my sneaky way to get away with instead of having 16 ears mixes, which (laughs) let's be fucking real. I can't handle 16 of those plus all the other players have, you know, this is a lot. I... serious fucking, you know, claps and commendations for monitor engineers who could do, you know, 36 mixes at a time and actually pay attention to all of them. There's plenty of guys who say they do 36 mixes. They just pay attention to one and ignore 35 of them. But that's my sneaky way of getting away with it where like everyone can get through the show and hear what they need to hear. Obviously, you know, you still want to pay attention to people and sort them out. But like for the most part, they're only fighting against one other voice. Yeah. You know, because in that corner of the mix, in that range, there's only one other person there, so you can kind of it kind of works. Yeah, that, that makes. Does it sound sense. crazy to you, or does it? Okay,
0: no, that <laughs> that that makes total sense. Yeah, I, it would. I honestly, I, I don't know, like how people feel when they're singing, like if it's split like that. I mean, I'm I'm guessing it was good results when you did it, but
1: like there, there was only one guy who didn't like it. Oh, really? And yeah. And he wanted himself up to center and I was like, uh, you're going to ruin everyone's mix. And that's when I was like, cool, we're going to split these. (laughs) And, And I took the dudes and put them on their separate mix. Cause he, yeah. Um, but everyone performed really well. Uh, nobody was upset with it. They all said it was a bit different. They hadn't done it that way how um, did, did I, they say how they had done it just up the middle like everyone up the middle or something th- like previously that? they just had kind of like a stereo mix of all stereo the vocals it, and everybody. they were never on top of it hmm. um so i'm not 100 percent sure that they like this better than what they were doing <laughs> before mm-hmm. but they performed really well nobody complained and um i don't know this is a different thing i it, also i i this is let's make this really clear. I'm saying this like, as if I'm a point of authority saying that this is how you should do it. This is not how it is normally done. Normally choir mixes are reasonably even. Everybody kind of gets panned out a little bit. It just feels Mm -hmm. like a full final mix. And any choir member has to find themselves in that mix. I personally have heard that and I didn't think it was particularly helpful. So I tried to do something different and it seemed to work. If you want to try this, try it. If you don't, then just, you know, don't. (laughs) I I feel like the telling
0: people what you're going to do is probably the important part of this
1: this trial. Well, if if you tell someone that they're going to hear themselves all the way on the right side, and that there's only one other vocal all the way on the right side in their mix, they'll go, oh, all right, cool. Yeah. Because that's probably better than they've ever had before, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um anyways uh yeah that's it's I realize it's a bit unconventional, but I guess that's what I do on this podcast. I f- say the weird yeah. answers right that's great
0: yeah we love it uh okay have you have you ever had to do wedges with choir
1: yeah i I have and i I've done stuff similar to what you're talking about basically, it's like you know you've got a bunch of mics it's it's just a pure gain before feedback issue. Mm-hmm. you're basically treating it like it's a background vocalist through a wedge yeah. uh-huh. um and you're just putting a bunch of them through it and Let's be honest. It's never going to be that clear when you put a bunch of people who sing roughly in the same range through the same box. It, it's just never going to work out that well. Yeah. And also, you know, the more noise you put on stage, the more comes back in the microphones, right. the messier exactly. the whole thing is. It's like, ideally, you just don't deal with that. Right. Which, I mean, if you're
0: doing that, makes the case for
1: 58s on the individuals. Right. Definitely. Rather
0: than the spot mics. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, even even with the small choir and the spot mics and wedges (laughs) relatively close in a small room, it's hard to get that game before feedback.
1: Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's talk about, uh, first off, I actually think we've actually gone pretty long on this already. Yeah. Um, so we shouldn't go much longer, but, Mm -hmm. uh, common issue. You don't have that many members singing in your quote unquote choir and you want it to feel like a bigger choir. Hmm. brendan what are your solutions no oh, man i honestly don't know
0: <laughs> i don't know what to do
1: uh i mean i'm sure you've run into this this must have come up for you I,
0: I mean you could pan hard left and then do like delayed of the same channels to the right and then you know some reverb and delay and stuff like that that'll make it sound wider and bigger um all of that stuff does work.
1: Yeah. Um I mean. Yeah, I mean I I've I've run into this a million times. And in, in fact, even when I have a sixteen person choir, I'm like, oh I want this to be more people. This is why we ended up doing this uh, you know, recording and doubling thing. Um, right. it's funny. I got, a, I got a bunch of friends in Nashville that I, you know, ping ideas off of pretty regularly. You know, they all work on great, you know, cool, big, small things, you know, they, they work on all sorts of interesting stuff. But in my head, I'm like, oh, you guys work in Nashville. You guys must deal with lots of choirs and gospel and you know, that kind of stuff, right? Cause, mm-hmm. cause you know, gospel music, church music is really big down there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would, I remember messaging him, being like, "How do I make this choir sound bigger?" And this is when I was doing this dude, um, DJ Battlecat. We had a six-person vocal group as the choir, mm-hmm. um, which is like kind of. This is what we we're talking about before. It's like that's on the cusp to me of going from background vocal to choir. It's barely choir, yeah. but um, it was enough. And they wanted some of the songs to be full-on gospel songs, which needed to sound mm-hmm. like giant choirs. So I was like texting these guys. They're like, what do I do, man? How do I make this work? I've tried all my usual tricks. Um, Turns out all their tricks are also the same as my usual tricks. They just said, just push it harder than you usually would. And I was like, all right, let's just keep going. And all of a sudden it kind of works. Push push what? Wait, sorry, push what harder? Push the tricks, basically. It's exactly what you're saying, right? So things like stereo delay, right? So if you've got a channel, you can pan it left, right? Mm -hmm. And you can take uh, ascend on that with, I don't know, anywhere from a, uh, 15 to 50 millisecond delay Mm -hmm. and pan it hard, right. Of that same channel. Right. This gives you that whole Haas effect stereo widening. Now you sum this down to mono, it would sound crazy, but that's not what, that's not what you're really doing here. You're trying to make something feel wide. You're trying to make it feel like there's more of it. Yeah. So in that case, usually what I do is I make two mono delay sends one which i'll call delay left one which i'll call delay right one might be i don't know 55 milliseconds one might be 65 milliseconds so anything i pan hard left i send it to delay right and that'll come out the right side 55 or 65 late Mm -hmm. anything i pan hard right i send to delay left and that Mm -hmm. comes out the left side yeah. So you end up with this, you know, double of this thing that makes it feel really wide and it somewhat feels like you've doubled the number of players. It kind of yeah. works. Yeah. But then on top of that, you can add chorusing, which now adds a pitch thing to it. And if you want to get really fancy, you can just actually add that to the delay return. So that the delay return itself already has the chorusing on it. So it's not the same pitch and it's not the same timing as the original, which makes it feel somewhat unique.
0: Hmm. And um, Um, I mean, if you group those together, I mean, I guess you probably maybe wouldn't want to do the chorus on like the whole thing. Or maybe you would.
1: You could, you could. I mean, did you ever see the making of the dark side of the moon? No, I haven't like that. You you know, that Pink Floyd record. Yeah. There's a really, really rad. Uh, making of The Dark Side of the Moon that I think it's on like VH1 or something. Not that anyone has television anymore where they can watch VH1, (laughs) but it's probably on YouTube and I think it might be on Apple TV as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that, they show you all these tricks they did for, you know, stuff on that record. And I'm sure when I say Dark Side of the Moon and I say gospel choir backing vocals, you can think of some parts, right? yeah. And I hear they're it. very I hear iconic, it. and you can hear in your head, right? Yeah. On those, there is such a heavy uh, chorus and phaser. <laughs> and you don't hear it when you listen to the song, but the moment someone tells you that, and you go back and listen to some of those, you're like, God damn, that's some heavy chorus and phaser. <laughs> um, but they show you how much they blend that into it, uh, uh, in that making of. It's it's really cool. quite Cool. Uh, so I sometimes steal that trick too. And what that does is a little different than this whole doubling thing. The doubling thing makes it feel like there's more singers, more players kind of joining into this group. That phaser chorus thing that they do, which Mm -hmm. go, go watch this. It's actually very cool. There's a lot of really neat shit they did in making that record. And all of it is quite relevant to, you know, mixing. (laughs) But what they do with that is instead of make it sound like there's more players, they turn it into this solid chunk of choir. Hmm. Like adding this phaser suddenly makes it turn into one giant, thick, big instrument. <laughs> Rather That's than so cool. many voices. Uh, give, it, give it a play, uh, but listen, go listen to that record. Listen to what those kind of background vocal, it's, it's a lot of those ah moments where it's like, mm-hmm. they hit these ahs. and yeah, yeah. yeah. When you hear it in your head, you don't hear how much it's like wavering up and down. But when you go back and listen to it, you're like, oh, damn, that's like a lot of chorus and a lot of phaser happening on it. Shit, Um, I gotta check that out. But it it hides so well. Uh, But try play with some things like that. And what it'll do is it'll kind of like turn it into this big block of sound rather than uh, many individual elements of sound. That doesn't always work in every scenario, but in some Mm -hmm. scenarios where you want it to be this giant block of choir, Mm-hmm. give give that a shot
0: sweet yeah it sounds fun it sounds super fun see you don't we get just gave people the... homework this is great requirement for next show oh. use a phaser and uh and uh a flanger on
1: background oh my records. gosh I, I i haven't been able to use a flanger in ages i would love to use a flanger on a show i don't know where but i <laughs> i just want to put it across an entire drum bus for like you know two oh, beats, yeah. four I beats, mean, that kind of thing yeah why
0: not on the top, like on the yeah, on the drum bus with some yeah. re- going into
1: reverb and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Cool. It'd be fun. Yeah. All right. I, I feel like we, we, we went way farther than I think we intended yeah. to. But at least yeah. this time we didn't pretend we we're gonna do three topics in one episode.
0: Yeah, baby steps, you know, baby steps. To-
1: <laughs> baby steps. Um, like we do every episode, uh, sorry for taking so long between this and the last episode, I imagine we'll probably do the same amount of bullshit between this and the next episode. <laughs> we'll see. Even though we, we, we keep saying, oh, no, no, we're going we're gonna to do better. Um, you know, life gets busy. Yeah, things, things get in the uh, way. We're, we next we, episode we, is strings.
0: Yeah, and then we'll probably be done with, you know, the individual input section of this Journey in podcasting.
1: At, at which point I believe we're gonna have to go to uh questions or oh yeah, questions guest interviews. If anyone, you know, feels like there's a guest that you'd love to hear, hop on here and, and chat with us. Yeah. I think that could be kind of fun too. I've always enjoyed when we've done uh things where we've invited other yeah. people to join. So
0: yeah, that'd be super fun. Um yeah, and uh what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, I be don't cool know what's the things like, talk- we say at the end of the episodes. <laughs> I, well, I, I got that, I think. Um, but I did, I did make a new email address actually. Oh, Uh, okay. Yeah. Apparently live sound podcast at gmail.com was available. So you can email us at live sound podcast, like the live sound pocket. Like we're the only one, I guess. I mean, we're not, but well, actually, I don't know. I don't really look up, look up live sound podcast, but we're not, we're not. We have lots of other ones. We have the Gmail live sound podcast at gmail which
1: now means we are the live sound podcast <laughs> now that we have so, the gmail
0: yeah we have the gmail send us questions whatever go to the facebook group <laughs> send questions there whatever whatever you want to do and uh awesome yeah thanks for listening again
1: thanks for listening we'll catch you uh whenever we catch you <laughs> next <laughs> sometime in the I apologize in advance for how long it may take for the next episode.